Chick, and you are listening to the Quarter to Three Games Podcast, where we talk, talk to the people who make the forum what it is, like the things king. that matter to them. Today, we have with us Joe Hall, who posts as Not the Tiger. Joe, uh, I want to clarify something that I know a lot of people are wondering. Are you, in fact, a tiger, and you're just putting forth some plausible deniability with your username? I used to be a tiger, but I quit. <laughs> How do you quit being a tiger? Now, this is a sports thing, I'm guessing, right? Like you're a fan of the Detroit Tigers or whatever. Is that where, where that's going? <clears throat> uh, no, not at all. Uh, I'm really terrible at making up screen names or names at all. Mm-hmm. So whenever I have to make a screen name for a forum, I look at my bookshelf, and I look at a book, and then I think of a name related so was the book that thing, oh, rats, I can't think of the name, where the little kid is in the lifeboat with the tights yes. and the monkey. What is that? Oh, Life of Pi. Yep. So it's a Life of Pi reference. That's kind of highfalutin, Joe. Uh, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> did you read Life of Pi? I did, and did I enjoyed you, it. You did, because I've, I've had it recommended to me. I started reading it, but I've heard that it touches on a lot of cool stuff about, uh, I think the person who recommended recommended it to me did it on the basis of, uh, me having a background studying religion. Is there a bunch of religious stuff in it? I remember very little of the book at this point. Okay. Well, you got to. I, I, your your username is much better than not a monkey. So well done. Um, now you are a. You, you've told me, and I'm not sure I believe this, that you're a Texan, but I don't hear it. Uh, so you you grew up in Texas and somehow managed to never come away with the accent. Uh, is that true? Yeah. For the most part. All right, Joe, I'm going to have you prove it. I'm going to give you a phrase, and I want you to try your best to say it with a Texas accent. Can you do that? Uh, this is going to be bad, but we'll try it. Okay, that's okay. All right, I'll try to, give, I'll try to make a phrase that, that lends itself to a Texas accent. Ready? I want you to say, as if you're from Texas, just imagine that like you're talking to one of your parents, hand me that there two by four. Say that like you're from Texas. Go. I mean, that there, two by four. <laughs> That's not very good, Joe. You're, you're, you sound a little too cultured, but okay. <laughs> uh, sorry. You don't sound like you're from Arkansas, though. Hey, you know what? Uh, I guess turnabout is fair play, so you got me there. <laughs> I can I, let tell, me... though, when you say windmill. Yeah, well, that's that's the right way to say that word. I don't understand people saying it's windmill. <laughs> exactly. I love hearing you say that on the podcast. Windmills. Reminds me of home. How do you say it? Now you say the word. Windmill. Yeah, that just doesn't sound right. <laughs> uh, so how long have you been out of Texas? Uh, since the summer of 07. And where did you move to? Uh, we moved to Eugene, Oregon. Mm-hmm. And when you say we, who moved with you to Eugene, Oregon? My fiance. Mm-hmm. Ah, so you got married up there. Yes, we did in uh, the summer of 08. You know what, uh, Joe, you and I have in common that we've both been to a wedding in Eugene, Oregon. Uh, you had your own there, and a very close friend of mine uh, who teaches music at, at one of the schools up there got married in Oregon, and, and I, I went to his wedding. Tell me about your Oregon wedding. Uh, it was at the Eugene Rose Garden. It's a public park, mm-hmm. and it, we had it in the middle of the summer when all the roses were in full bloom, uh, under a big cherry tree, I think it is. Very so, nice. And uh, so you brought, you imported your wife in from Texas, is that correct? Uh, she imported me. Uh, we came up here so that she could attend the University of Oregon. Uh, she's working on a doctorate in neuroscience. Whoa! Like, 
that that makes me think she's going to be like a, a brain surgeon. And no, she more does uh, more biology, just studying animal brains. Wow, she's getting a doctorate. Do you ever see her? Like, is she in labs twenty four seven? I I thought that was what it was going to be like, but no, she works like an eight to five job, pretty much. And now you're in school as well. You are studying math, I believe you told me. So you guys are a couple of students. We are indeed. Is the dinner conversation just unbelievably erudite? No, not really. We talk about what we want to do that evening, which is watch TV or play video games most nights. Because now here's something that I think is really adorable, Joe. If If you go through your posting history, it's easy to pick out uh, that your wife and you are, are both like, like gamers. Like you, you're not the kind of guy who's married to a chick where you play games and she just kind of humors it. You've apparently gotten her to play some games with you. And you I guys, have. And, and you've apparently played through the, the Laura Croft thing, co-op, for instance. Like she's not just doing it to humor you. You guys have actually knocked out entire games together. Is that right? Oh, yes. Uh, and she's played a number of games on her own. Uh, she's played both Mass Effects. And she also, uh, I was very excited to play Dragon Age when it came out, but I was buried with schoolwork. So I made her play it for me while I watched and did homework. (laughs) Now, did she, was this on the 360 or the PC? The 360. Was she logged onto your account? Oh, yeah. She totally got achievements for me. Aha. So if we look at your gamer score, we can immediately discount several hundred of the points as being points you did not, in fact, earn yourself. Is that correct? Oh, definitely. You are so busted, Joe. <laughs> now, was your wife always into to games, or was this something that you uh, introduced her to? Uh, it's something I've converted her to, which is interesting because both of her brothers have been lifelong gamers. But it just never rubbed off on her. But I converted her. And how did this go? Explain to me the... Co- By the way, what's your wife's first name, if I may ask? Cat. Uh, okay, explain to me Cat's the conversion process where you got Cat into video games. How did this work? Uh, I bought her a DS. Ah, yes. It's a good entry-level... Uh, it's like a gateway drug, right? Definitely. What did you get her on the DS? What game? Nintendogs. Uh, that's kind of not a game, though, because I could see someone... Like, I can see a girl, sort of anybody, just playing with Nintendogs and thinking, okay, yeah, that's cute. So how do you segue from Nintendogs into something like Mass Effect? Or did she do that on her own? Uh, next, it was Kirby's Canvas Curse. Mm. So that was a pretty big change-up. Very good. And then eventually... Uh, I just kept pressuring her. I was like, come on, play video games with me. <laughs> she eventually relented. She had watched me play Mass Effect, the first one, through before she ever got interested. And now, so she actually played Mass Effect. Like, she did Mass Effect 2 for you. You have not played Mass Effect. That was something that on her own, she's like, I'm going to play Mass Effect 2. And she went and did it. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, right, and she, she dug it? Oh, yeah. All right. So, uh, Joe, I'm going to do the podcast with her instead, if you don't mind. Can you uh, get her on the line? Uh, if you told me earlier, maybe, but she's right now. Uh, so, uh, now, uh, you also, uh, so, so you guys are both students. Uh, you're both gaming nerds. Uh, what do you like in terms of, like, movies or TV when you're not playing games? Uh, I generally like to watch older movies, and she doesn't know of many movies, so I sort of always win that fight. Mm-hmm. I usually get to pick. You say older movies, like what's an older movie? Stuff from like 1990s? Oh no, uh, like 70s or before. A lot of foreign movies, maybe. Wow, okay, like what? What have you guys watched lately? Uh, we ha- actually have not watched many movies lately. The last one we saw was uh, we went to go see It's a Wonderful Life at a local movie theater right before Christmas. 
Isn't that a radio drama? I don't think that's even a movie that's so old. It is, in fact, with Jimmy Stewart. It's a very good movie, actually. Uh, and I think it's like it's mandatory viewing around Christmas as well, I believe. Uh, I'd actually never seen it before, so it was pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me a bit about Eugene, Oregon, living up there. So you come to Eugene, Oregon from Texas. Kat's with you. Uh, she starts her program there. Um, what's it like coming to Eugene, Oregon? What's that city like up there? Uh, it's about 175,000 people, and there's a, another city, there's Springfield, Oregon, that runs right next to it. The two cities have now merged. And uh, it's a college town, the University of Oregon, owned by Phil Nike. It's quite big here. Mm-hmm. Is it, it is a sports town, too, right? Oh, yes, very much so. It is all about the University of Oregon you know, up here. And what's their team called again? I think I knew The this. Ducks. Right, right, good, yeah, right. I think I knew that, yeah. And now, I think we have a couple of other folks from quarter to three up there in Eugene. Have you, have you met any of those dudes? Not yet. I've tried, we tried to have a meetup one time, and then everyone but Mink Staccato fell through, I think. So you met Mink? No, everyone but him. Oh, including you. Oh, I so see. You guys oh, yeah. all left him high and dry. Nice work. Unfortunately. <laughs> what a bunch of jerks are up there in Oregon. Wow. I did try to make it up to him and invite him over for pinball and beer, but I haven't heard back from him. He'll he'll learn you some, some good stuff about pinball, just so you uh, know. Definitely. I want to learn from the master. <laughs> uh, you, you, you have mentioned before we talked that you have done some dead-end jobs that I want to hear about. Were these in, in Texas or in Oregon? What, what kind of jobs have you had to do since you've been in Oregon? Uh, in Oregon, I just worked at a uh, pretty mediocre office job for a long time. Pretty unremarkable. It was a health insurance office. Yeah, that's boring. So with the stuff in Texas, then, I want to know about. So explain to me. I, I, I just love the sound of this. You wouldn't even have to say anything else about it, but I want to hear about it. But you worked at a brickyard. Oh, yes. For, <laughs> for three months in the summer. That is so, in the summer in Texas, even. In Lubbock, Texas. Oh, yeah. Now, now this sounds, I, I, I mentioned to you, this sounds downright Dickensian. I could just imagine, like, the, explain to me what it is working in a brickyard and what you had to do. Uh, a brickyard is just where you go when you need bricks to break up your house. Mm-hmm. And I actually have a package that to sign for. Sorry. Okay, go sign for the package. I will. I'm going to play some music while you're gone. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Joe Hall signing for the package. Don't write not a tiger. Yeah, the sign. You didn't have to sign. He would have just, just wanted signed. to give it to me. All right. Or is it anything? And it's not even for us. It's for the previous occupant. Oh, you didn't get like a cool game from FedEx or something? No, I've gotten enough games. I just have to warn you, Joe, if I have to go sign for something, I'm expecting three board games that I just ordered. So if I have to sign for something, it's going to be a cause for excitement, just so you know. Which three? Uh, let's see. I got a uh, so quick sideline. I want to hear about the Brickyard. Don't think you're getting away from that. Uh, I ordered, there's, a, there's a, a Western-themed sort of city builder game called Carson City that I, I've played once. I love that. I wanted to own a copy of it. There's a really simple chit-based game about conquering the world, like uh, like colonial Britain or whatever, conquering the world, called Endeavor. But the one I'm really excited about is, I think, a possibly borderline tasteless uh, contemporary politics game called Labyrinth, the War on Terror, where one <laughs> side plays jihadists and the other side plays the U.S., and it's about the asymmetric struggle since 9-11. Uh, oh, no, that sounds like a very interesting game. I, I agree, I agree, but I can't... Could you imagine, like, 
like, wouldn't you feel a little oogie sitting down to play the jihadists? I'm okay with that. I would be willing to do that, but it just seems weird, doesn't it? No, it just seems like a video game. I've played the bad guys before. Well, but it's not the Germans. They were worse. Yeah, but that's yeah, but it's kind of like the sell-by date on their. Well, you're right. You're right. Uh, and I'm fascinated by by the the concept of it. I mean, you're you literally, I believe, as the jihadists, you are planning and carrying out terrorist acts to destabilize countries. Uh, and that's like, is it? Can you think of any video game where you do that? Maybe the Grand Theft Auto games. You do some pretty bad stuff. Actually, you know what, Joe? I, well, this is a potential tangent, but you, you do that. Have you played a Red Faction Guerrilla? Yes. Or Just Cause 2, actually. And both of those <laughs> are basically blowing stuff up and breaking things to destabilize the infrastructure. Uh, oh, yeah. So, all right. Okay. Well, you know what? Come down to L.A. You and me can play ta- uh, Labyrinth War on Terror, uh, and we can take turns being uh, the jihadists. <laughs> I'll so anyway, you. so yeah, if I have to sign for a package, that's one that I'm expecting, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, so uh, tell me about the so the brickyard, Lubbock, Texas. The summer they're actually it's a it's literally a yard full of bricks, um, and what what they're like. Hey, Joe Hall, come work for us. What do you do in the brickyard? Well, it was a temp job. Uh, I got laid off a few months before I was going to move from Lubbock to Denton to be with my girlfriend at the time, who has become my wife. And so I needed a few months' work, and that's where I got sent. And so I went to work at this brickyard, cleaning up all the trash that blows into it. And whenever the piles of bricks would fall over, I'd have to stack them back up and strap them again. I'm going to get a little obscure with you. Have you heard of a movie called The Music of Chance with Mandy Patinkin and James Spader? No. Uh, they're tasked with carrying rocks around. I think they have to build a wall. But I'm, I'm imagining you kind of like that in this almost like Sisyphean task of stacking up bricks that constantly fall over. <laughs> that was the first two weeks. Oh, how, what do you upgrade to after those two weeks? Then what do you do? Well, the brickyard's then clean, and all my coworkers hated the management, and so they just let me slack off. I would just sit on the bricks, like in the shade in the back, and read my book most of the time. That sounds so Texas, Joe. I love that. Uh, yeah. Now, you also worked at a uh, as a TTY operator. Explain what that is. Uh, well, I, uh, I would take calls for or from deaf people, trying to speak to someone with hearing, like if a deaf person needs to talk about their cable bill. Mm-hmm. They need to talk to someone. They would call through us to this line. And so... We would get a call in, and if it was from a deaf person, the text would just appear on the screen. And so we'd have to call this number, tell the person what was going on, who picked up the phone, and then just, we would read, we would be the ears for the deaf person. You would, so you would just read the text out loud to the, the non-deaf person, right? And directly transcribe what was said to us. So, and then when the non-deaf person says something back to you, you type it in to the deaf person? Is that how that works? Yeah. Now, is this unbelievably interesting or unbelievably tedious and boring? It's usually pretty routine and boring, but uh, I don't know. Deaf people do things like call sex hotlines and make drug deals via phone, too. Now you're joking. Neither of those ever happened. Uh, they do. <laughs> you t- <laughs> and you just have to act, read it out. Joe, can, you give, us an, edit it or can you give us an example of the kind of things you have to actually read out loud? This is great, Joe. Oh, this is... 
I, I totally want to hear about this. You did not actually ever have a deaf person calling a sex line. I don't believe that. I, I did not take the... It was at, during my training session, actually. <laughs> my trainer got the call. And, uh, like, sh- to show us that we really did have to, you know, participate like we're supposed to. Like, she <laughs> took the call for a while and then put us on another call. Now, is your approach uh, to just read stuff in a complete monotone and not give it any inflection that might be misinterpreted? Or do you actually, do you feel like an actor? Like, do you feel like you need to liven it up? How, how do you approach this? It depends on the person, really. Um, most operators will just read it back pretty normally, but some people get very into it and will play their part. They will, they, if there's a fight on the phone, the person will be yelling over the phone. That is fantastic. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, is it is it? Would you have to call people a lot who wouldn't understand the process? Like, did you have to do a lot of explaining? Oh, okay, yeah. here's what this is. Oh yeah, some people were very confused. That's great. how long did you do this? Uh, for about nine months. Mm-hmm. And and is it easy to pick out? Like, if I ask you, what was the most memorable call you had to deal with? Does something come to mind? Uh, it would be the the one drug deal call. I so really, that deaf person what needs weed or something, or how does that yep, go? That was that was what happened. <laughs> That's awesome. And so you had to call it. You basically called a drug dealer and said, "Hi, I'm." A, do you give your name? Do you give the name of a company? I, I just read what. I, well, yeah, for the introduction, yeah, you have to say all that stuff. Hi. And did this, this Joe it, from so and so? Right. Uh, and, and so the, the the drug dealer was amenable to this. Like, you actually facilitated the purchase of weed. Is that correct? Yeah. All right, Joe. All right, there goes your Supreme Court confirmation, by the way. I just want you to know. <laughs> oh, I think that was compromised a long time ago. So. <laughs> uh, what are your two cats' names? Being a cat fan myself, I always like knowing this about people. They are Chester and Bowser. Who are Chester and Bowser named after? Uh, I don't know. Well, Bowser's named after Bowser from Mario games. Oh, right, right. Of course. Yeah, it should have. Yeah, it's an easy but one. We didn't name either one of them. Those oh, they came the pre-named. Thing. I see. Were they like rescue cats or something? Uh, Chester was found in the front yard of our friend's mother, stepmother's house. Mm-hmm. And uh, they already had six cats and two dogs, so they needed to get rid of it. So we took Chester. And, and where did, then, uh, some friends of ours, they, they lived in an apartment uh, where they weren't allowed to have pets, so they got a cat and then got found out. So they had to get rid of it, so, and that's how we got Bowser. Do the guys get along with each other? Uh, not really. Oh, Bowser, that's bad. Bowser's an unhappy kitten. What's wrong with Why is Bowser? Because of Chester? Uh, just in general. She always has been. All right. Be extra nice to her. Just I try. Okay, good. Give uh, catnip. What is cat either of uh, catnip? Yeah, is either of them there now? By the way, uh, they're actually both asleep in our room. Okay. Uh, now, so what are before we transition to the game you want to talk about? Uh, what are you playing these days besides the game you want to talk about? And specifically, are you and your wife looking forward to anything coming up? Or do you have any game queued up that you guys are planning to dig into? Uh, we're not going to. I recently bought. Over the last four months, I've bought about 20 different games. Is so, Steam sale stuff? Is it that kind of thing? And some Best Buy gift cards from Christmas and some other, uh, the Toys R Us 2 for 1, or 3 for 2 on Xbox 360 games. 
Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I've bought enough games that I'm actually making a challenge for myself in 2011 to see how long I can last. What do you mean? You mean before buying any new games? Yeah, before my, my will breaks down and I have to buy something new. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What about like when like Bulletstorm comes out? What are you going to do then? Not play it. <laughs> so uh, on your backlog, what are the impending games like that you look forward in the next in the next couple of days? What are you going to be playing? Um, the main game I'll probably be playing is Tropico 3 with my wife. Oh, how do you guys do that? Is, does it have a co-op mode or do you guys just sort of like sit and build the same city up? We discuss. We, we just sit and discuss it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Has she played Tropico 3? Uh, just with me. Okay, right. Uh, and do you guys do... Now, I haven't played Tropico 3 in a while. I don't remember... Does it have a good sandbox mode, or is it strictly scenario-based? Do you know offhand? I don't know how good the sandbox is. We've been playing the scenarios, mm-hmm. and they've been quite fun. Uh, we've been staying up too late. Uh, yeah, I, Tropico 3 is, is good for that. And uh, have you played other city builders with her? Uh, not with her, no. Okay, I was good. a big fan of SimCity 4, though. Uh, SimCity 4. Yeah, that's the one I think you're supposed to not like, Joe. I don't think you're doing that right. But I think there's backlash against that one. Uh, did you play SimCity Societies? Speaking of backlash. No, I didn't. Okay, a lot of folks didn't like that one. Uh, so Tropico 3, uh, what else in the backlog is uh, sort of bubbling up to the top of the list? I think I'm going to play something maybe a little bit smaller next like uh, Guardians of Graxia or uh, the King Arthur, King Arthur role-playing war game. I hear really good things about that one. It's like, a, it's like a total war kind of thing, but with King Arthur, right? That's what it seems like, yeah. But you haven't tried it yet? I've played the first 20 minutes. Okay. Uh, and Guardians of Graxia, did you play their... Um, they had a Panzer General game on Xbox Live. Uh, did you play that by any chance? No, I didn't. Because it seems like Guardians of Graxia is a, a fantasy-based kind of tweak on that. And I really like the idea. Uh, now, is that something Cat would be into? Because that, that almost strikes me as like a very boy kind of strategy game thing. I guess we'll see. Yeah. I've never, I haven't played it yet, so. Good. Okay. Right. Now, uh, oh, and one more thing I wanted to ask you about before we talk about your game. What in the world is this beer uh, trading thread that you just pit weighed in on? You just added your name to something where, uh, like, people are trading beer across the country, right? That's it. That's pretty. You got it. Now I don't know why you guys need to do this because I can go right down here to the supermarket and they got about like seven or eight different kinds of beer. Why would anyone need to trade beer when you've got so many different flavors at the supermarket? <laughs> I like that flavors of beer. <laughs> like grape beer, red flavored beer. Well, you know, there's there's uh, there's there's Bush, there's Budweiser flavor. There's uh, I think there's like that fancy that upscale Heineken flavor. Uh, Miller High Life. Right, right. You got all those flavors you want right down there at the store. So but everyone has those everywhere. Okay. But not everyone has Rogue Dead Guy Ale or the uh, <laughs> huge Jubal Ale. Very few uh, people get that. And so is the idea, what, what are you guys doing in there? Is it just like you sign up and somebody randomly sends you stuff, or are there requests? Uh, I'm not quite sure. It looks like you pick what's good in your area and send it somewhere else. And someone so, sends you their good stuff. So you are a beer aficionado, I take it? Uh, I don't know. I don't know a whole lot about it. I just know that a lot of it tastes really good. 
what what do you like as uh as what 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 do you look for in a beer what makes beer good to you i don't know uh, i really like pretty much every variety of beer ipas uh ales red ales porters stouts lagers so it's hard to define what makes a beer good versus bad now, is there, I guess, up there in Eugene, is there some local beer that you are bringing to the thread? Is there something that Eugene is known for? Uh, not particularly Eugene, but uh, there is the Rogue Brewery, which is a very famous brewery up here in Oregon. It's been making uh, beer for a very long time. And you were a fan of that? Oh, very much. They have some very interesting beers, like a, a Chipotle Ale. Uh, were there great beers in Lubbock, Texas? No. <laughs> no, they're the options. Uh, actually, Lubbock, uh, until after I left in 2005, was a dry town. Oh, you did one of those, yeah. I oh, know. yeah. So, on the corner, if you drive out of town uh, to this one particular spot, there's the Strip, which is about 30 different liquor stores. Yeah, they're all huddled there on the the legal limit for the dry county. Yep. Yep, and a six pack of Bud was about nine dollars. <laughs> Supply and demand at work, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. And so no local awesome microbreweries, I imagine, as well. No, I think it was probably illegal at the time. Now, when I lived in a dry county in Arkansas, I seem to recall that for whatever reason, the VFW, the Veteran of the Foreign Wars, uh, had special dispensation to serve liquor. Do you know if that was the case where you were in Texas? I don't know. Okay. Because uh, I always remember, you know, I was a dumb college student, uh, and I remember thinking, well, that guy, those old guys who were who fought wars get to drink. Why can't I? Uh. <laughs> All right, so why, when you get contacted and someone says to you, hey, Joe, let's do a podcast, why on earth, and, and they say, what game do you want to talk about? Why do you pick, like, just another shooter? Like, this uh, Team Fortress 2 thing, it's just a regular old shooter, right? It's like it's like Unreal Tournament, but with cartoony graphics, right? I don't think so. <laughs> I, I am mildly trolling you. I actually do recognize TF2's greatness, but I want you to explain, like, what, what makes you resonate? Like, what do you like about Team Fortress 2 so much? Uh, part of it is that the one of the first multiplayer shooters I ever really got into was Counter-Strike. Mm-hmm. Uh, about a decade ago. And so now the source engine just feels right to me. And so everything is a comparison to it. It's my baseline. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you, so you, so Counter-Strike, uh, like pre-source engine Counter-Strike, though, like Half-Life Counter-Strike. Yeah. That's what you got, right? Right. And did you play the original Team Fortress? No, I did not. Okay. Before Team Fortress 2, had you regularly played any sort of, like, class-based, like, tribes or something? Any of those kind of multiplayer shooters? Not really. Okay. So Team Fortress 2 was kind of your introduction to this type of class-based team gameplay? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you remember when you first tried it? Was it something that immediately clicked with you, or was it a more of a gradual thing? Oh, no. I'd, I'd been drooling over the game for a while. <clears throat> Uh, I purchased the orange box on the 360 originally, and I tried TF2 on that, and I could immediately tell that it was wrong. It's like, no, yeah. this game needs a mouse and keyboard. That is the only way you're supposed to play this. That that really is kind of a travesty, isn't it? Is <laughs> seeing this on the on the 360? 
Uh, I don't. I don't feel that way. Like even about Left 4 Dead, I think that plays fine on the 360, and so does Halo. So does Modern Warfare 2. I'm not like a mouse and keyboard snob, but for TF2, it just felt wrong. I couldn't build anything with the engineer. Why can you not build? Is it you mean it's just a, r- a real pain in the butt with the gamepad? It's very unnatural key combinations for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, so did you give up pretty quickly and go straight over to the PC version? I didn't go straight over to it. At the time, I did not have a PC at all. So, Whoa, I only so... have the 360 to game on. Wait, if you didn't, I don't, I'm confused, Joe. How were you playing your PC games if you didn't have a PC? I wasn't. I was <laughs> playing no PC games at the time. So, uh, did you, you... Now, here's what I'm curious about. Did you actually get a PC to play Team Fortress 2 by any chance? I got a PC just because my wife was tired of me borrowing her Mac to surf the internet, mainly. <laughs> I was going back to school, too, so I was like, well, I need something to write papers on. So, And then eventually I just put a decent video card in it to play TF2. And that must have felt great, like coming home, like, ah, this is how the game's supposed to be, yeah? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Very much so. Uh, how do you... do? You, uh, so Team Fortress 2 is notable for having distinct classes that, are, that play very differently from each other. How do you figure out what class you want to play and what classes that end up being? Uh, I really enjoy playing every single class in the game. Uh, all nine of them. I'm certainly better at others. I'm a terrible sniper and a terrible scout. But I can do decent to well at any other class. Uh, is when you sit down to play a match, like jump around different classes, or does someone tend to like stick with one class throughout a match? Um, it just depends. I always try to go for what my team needs plus what I want to play. Right, right. Uh, what makes it difficult to be a sniper or a scout? You mentioned you're terrible at those. You need good aim, and I usually play after having had a, a beer too. <laughs> you're saying you're drunk when you play Team Fortress too. Also, I'm 30, so my skills are deteriorating. <laughs> so I play the the classes like I like demo man and soldier. Very simple to use explosives. Mm-hmm. Uh, the demo man is the grenade launcher dude. Is that right? Yeah. And what is the sticky soldier? bombs and pipe bombs? Okay. Uh, and what does the soldier have? It's just a straight up like a rocket launcher. Oh well, yeah. There you go. You can't go wrong with that. I don't know if you know this, Joe. When you use a rocket launcher aim like sort of down at their feet uh yeah i've learned that (laughs) uh so uh those would you pick those as your most played classes actually if i'm not mistaken joe doesn't steam exhaustively track that kind of thing and isn't that actually built into team fortress 2 oh very much so uh pyro is actually my most played class Mm -hmm. because it was the only class i could really play before i got a decent video card because Pyro doesn't need a good frame rate because it's just spray and play, right? For the most part, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that ended up being your most played class. Uh, uh, I presume like the Sniper or the Scout is your least played class? A Sniper, or rather Scout, is my least played. In fact, yeah. I'm working on it, though. I'm just about 30 minutes from getting Scout up to over 30 hours played, and then I'll have every class over 30 hours. Do you know offhand how many hours you've played your pyro? You said the pyro is the most played class. It's uh, about 90. Okay. Wow, you, you are hardcore then. All right. Are you, now, isn't there a good, is, isn't there a, a fairly vibrant QT3 Team Fortress group or something? No. 
There's not. Okay, I know there's a no. there's a it has like Left 4 Dead 2, I believe, has a pretty solid following. Oh yeah, those guys play every night. But okay. Frank Austin, I think it was, tried to set up a TF2 server and it just never really worked out. Have you played with Frank, by the way? No, I don't think I have. Uh, so, uh, how do you then normally play? Do you sit down and you're like, I'm going to play this all night? Do you play it for 30 minutes? What What's it like playing Team Fortress 2? What's a typical session like? Uh, it's as much time as I have, usually. I'll sit down for 30 minutes and quit about an hour and a half later. Mm-hmm. Think, oh, I should have been doing homework or dishes. And jumping around on different servers? Do you just jump into one? Do you have one server you always go to? I mainly play on the Reddit servers. Mm-hmm. They're a really good, a pretty good group. And they have some West Coast servers, so I have a nice ping. Uh, is there a lot of uh, interaction with, with a team? Like, is there, It has voice support, if I'm not mistaken, right? It does. And do people avail themselves of that much? Uh, the servers that I mainly play on have all chat on, so both teams can communicate. So there's pretty lively conversation. Uh, what kind of lively conversation? Uh, plenty of trash talking, talking about what has been on the internet, other games, complaining about the Manco store. What is the Manco store and why would people complain about it? Uh, it's one of the latest TF2 updates where you started to be able to buy things with real money for in-game use. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. What? Oh, yeah, it's a big deal to TF2ers. Whoa, whoa, wait, no, no, you can't... Like, you can buy things that give you an in-game advantage with real-world money in Team Fortress 2? Uh, there's a few... Uh, uh, arguably, yes. Like what? Uh, well, there's all sorts of new weapons for every class that are very different, and you can buy any weapon off the Manco store. You can also find any weapon in-game or craft it in-game. Or trade in-game for it. But uh, there's also hats right. that you can purchase. Uh, and certain hats have bonuses. Uh, very few of them do. So I know about the hats. I want to hear about those in a second. But explain to me then, so you, you mentioned there are different weapons and there's, there's crafting in Team Fortress 2. My exposure, I haven't played Team Fortress 2 in a while, but what I seem to recall about it is that each class had a very specific and and narrow tool set. Each class did a very specific thing and did it very well. It had strengths and and weaknesses, and you relied on the other classes on your team to sort of make up for for your weaknesses. Uh, if, If you can swap out different weapons, doesn't it kind of break that whole class based focus? They've bent it, but not broken it. Most, Almost every item is a situational weapon or a straight downgrade. There's only like two or three weapons in the that have been released that are straight upgrades. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and how, how do you... So these, these weapons that you get as upgrades, you mentioned the, the crafting, the Manco store. Uh, how do you unlock these better weapons? Uh, well, for... You get random item drops as you play. So what happens is after you play for 15 minutes to an hour and a half, you'll get an item or two. Uh, you can get up to 15 items a week, roughly. And so it's just random drops, like uh, the weapons mostly, some crates, maybe paint, a name tag, or uh, if you're very lucky, a hat. And are these based strictly on time played? You mentioned that after a certain number of time, these will drop. Yeah. Uh, 
it's a random system. What happens is the system decides that after you play, it'll trigger, and then it'll go, say, after X minutes, you're going to get a drop after X minutes of playing. So if it says that X is 35, after your next 35 minutes of playing, you'll get a drop. And then it'll decide a new length of time for you. Do you see this number, or you're just playing? No, and then you it's totally next... hidden. Okay. Uh, and when do, you, when do you get told that you've got a drop? During a game or between games? Uh, if you die and you've received an item, it'll pop up then. Or if you start the game. Like if you quit, if you received an item and then quit without dying, next time you start the game, it'll tell you. Uh, and so how does crafting work? I guess you get a lot of junk items you're never going to use, and this ties into a crafting system? Uh, yeah, you can turn weapons into metal, and then you can eventually turn metal into specific weapons if you want, or into hats. And you need, you, so normally like a crafting system, like there's no recipes or anything you're gathering. Like are those a part of a drop? Or as long as you have components, certain components just directly turn into other items? Yeah, that's how it goes. Like you'll take two uh, engineer weapons and turn them into a scrap metal. Mm -hmm. And then three scrap metal into a refined, and then three refined into a reclaimed. No, we switch those two. And, and none of this, and you feel like this bends the game but doesn't break it? Yeah, uh, like I said, almost every item that drops is either only occasionally useful or not very useful at all, really. Or it's just much worse than the default items. Uh, now give me some examples of stuff that you've got uh, that you've either unlocked or crafted that you think are useful. Um, the One of the most useful items is the equalizer for the soldier. It replaces uh, his melee weapon, and what happens is as you take damage, you run faster <laughs> while you have it out. So you have to equip it, though. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And while you have it equipped, you can't be healed by a medic. Mm -hmm. But despite that minor handicap, it's no one uses the shovel, really. Oh, the shovel is your melee, so it replaces your melee weapon, the shovel. Okay. The default one, yeah. Right, right. Okay, and you, ha you have an equalizer? Are these hard to come by? No, they're very easy to find. Okay. What do you have that, uh, for instance, I played very briefly World of Warcraft and found this super rare parrot that people who have played for hundreds of hours have never found. I jump in after a, a mere, like, like, 20 hours or whatever. Hey, look, I got a rare parrot. Do you have anything like that? that other people would be covetous of in, in uh, Fortress 2? I don't... Uh, <clears throat> the most coveted item in TF2 is an unusual hat, which is a, a very rare drop that can only come out of a crate. Is it, is it actually called an unusual hat? Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, and it's just a hat that has a special effect on it, like it glows with sunbeams, or it'll have heart circling, or flies... And you don't have one of these? Oh, no. Okay. So hats, then, you mentioned some hats have an effect, but most of them are just cosmetic, correct? Yeah, unusual hats only come out of crates, which much must be opened with a key that can only be purchased from the Manco store. Oh, I don't like the sound of that, Joe. How do you have a 1% chance of, being, of opening a crate and getting an unusual hat? I don't like the sound of that at all. So how do I get keys from the Manco store? They're just 250 $2.50. I have to pay for a key from the Manco store. I have to pay actual yep. money. Joe, I don't like this at all. Come on. I don't either. That's like the one thing that they've done in TF2 that I think was a really dick move. 
when did Valve do this? Is this a, is this a recent thing, or has this been going on for a while? It was a few months ago, uh, four or so, I think. Do I have an option to sell like junk to the store? Can I accrue oh, points? No. You're, you're no. I've got to pay two dollars and fifty cents to get a key to open a crate. Well, no wonder that's what everyone's talking about on the chat channel on the Reddit server. That would be that's that's horrible. Yeah, a lot of people uh, just really don't like it. But all I say is, if you don't like it, don't buy a key. All right, Joe. I think you should stop playing Team Fortress Two. What do you think? I've thought that before, various times, but I just always come back. Well, here's here's a million dollar question, Joe. How much money have you paid for keys from the Manco store? Two fifty. You did buy one, Joe. You're part of the problem. <laughs> well, I wanted to buy some other stuff, and I I did open my crate and I got a hat, so it was practically worth it for me. All right, what's your favorite hat? By the way, so the hats. If I do, I have like a a, a wardrobe full of hats when I'm playing Team Fortress Two. And I pick which one I want to wear for each class, or how, how do the hats work? Uh, there's hats for each class, and then there's also hats that every class can wear. Uh-huh. And what's your favorite hat that you have? What is your, your most prized possession hat-wise? Uh, probably the Chieftain's Challenge for the Soldier. It's an Indian headdress. Mm-hmm. I just think it looks really nice. I think that's uh, that's that's important. It's insulting to Native Americans, Joe. I hope you're. I'm happy. sure it is, but it looks really good. <laughs> Team Fortress too. Uh, how many hats do you have? Uh, I have about thirty, all told. <laughs> this this strikes me, Joe, as like women talking about how many shoes they have. You talk, talking about your hats in Team Fortress too. <laughs> uh, uh, I do have too many, and I do think about it too much. But I can already tell I'm. I, I don't know, I got really into it for about two weeks, and I'm already burning out on it. On what? On hat collection? Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll believe you in two weeks when you no longer care. <laughs> uh, I'm certainly not buying any more keys. Sure you're not, Joe. Sure you're not. You've already bought one. You might as well go in whole hog. <laughs> uh, so what are the different game modes in Team Fortress 2? I know it's all it's all class-based. Um Valve has been excellent, aside from this whole Manco store thing, which I'm skeptical of. Valve has been excellent with post-release support in terms of new maps, new modes, and whatnot. Uh, how do you? What's the most common way to play Team Fortress 2, mode-wise? Uh, the servers, I, <coughs> the servers I play on, uh, do pretty good map rotation. So you'll go to every game type really, except Arena. When you say except Arena, why why not Arena, and what is it? Uh, Arena is just a special capture point mode where the point to capture doesn't spawn for a while and you don't respawn. Oh, so, so a lot, it's a mode with a lot of downtime. Yeah. Right. Uh, so what mode, like I know Team Fortress 2 is the modes where you, uh, you know, there's an attacker, there's a defender, you have to capture successive points. That's the most common uh, mode to roll out, correct? Uh, those are two of the most common. Uh, there's also payload, which is pretty common. Is that where you're, you're moving the, the cart along the rails? Yep. And there's also payload race, where both teams have a cart. Mm-hmm. And the way that works is one character has to move the cart instead of fighting, and the other characters protect him? No, you just stand near it. And the more people stand near it, the faster it goes. Oh, oh, I see. Nice. So you're still... I, I see. So it's like sort of moving the, the point that's being contested throughout the map. Exactly. Right. Uh, what maps do you hate, and what maps do you love? Uh, the worst map is Hoodoo. It's a <clears throat> an attack defend, and it's just really terrible. 
What's wrong with Hoodoo? It's just poorly balanced. It has too many choke points. Mm-hmm. Just not good. But what? nobody really likes it. It is an optimal-aligned map. And what what map do you love? What's the one that when it comes up you uh, you squee with glee? Uh, Koth Nucleus. And what makes it good? Uh, it's just really fun to. It's just a big circle with a point in the middle, and it's king of the hill. Uh, so you have to stand on the point, and when you capture it, a timer starts counting down, a three minute timer, and then the other team has to capture it and get their timer going. <clears throat> Sounds really messy. It's a it's a very frantic map, and it's every class can do something very fun on it. Now, uh, Team Fortress Two has that this whole model of class based gameplay uh, has appeared in other games. Uh, have you? I'm going to throw a couple of names at you, and I want I want to know if you've tried any of these. Okay. Uh, okay. Have you, have you by any chance played Section Eight? No. Okay. What about Monday Night Combat? Nope. Uh, have you played anything else that, that with tribes? Were you a tribes player? I've I've played that before, but not a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Planet side. No. All right. Have you played anything uh, that's like Team Fortress Two? Uh, the yeah. the only other shooter that I've played that has classes is Battlefield Bad Company Two. Oh yeah, yeah. Gosh, why did I why didn't I think of those? Yeah. Uh, uh, there's only four, and they're they're not as different. They're still all based on shooting. Team Fortress 2 is good for, uh, well, let me ask, let me turn this around and ask you, how accessible do you think Team Fortress 2 is? Very. And what makes it accessible? Uh, it just has a very, all, between the nine classes, there's some that are very easy to learn, and then there's some that are medium hard, and then some that are very hard. So, when a new a guy very jumps- wide skill level that you can play at. And when a new guy jumps in, is he generally like you would recommend the the pyro or the demo man and just toss around grenades? A uh, soldier. Ah, uh, soldier. Okay, the rocket launcher dude. Yeah, most straightforward. Mm-hmm. Uh, and tell me about because this is kind of unique, and different games put a lot of their unique gameplay tweaks into this kind of class. Tell me about the engineer. I. He's not a very offensive class. He doesn't have very many good weapons, but uh, he can build three different buildings. Uh, a dispenser, which dispenses metal for him to build more things, or health for any injured teammates. Uh, a sentry gun, which will automatically fire at enemies if it's within a certain radius. And then there's the teleporter, which can move people across the map very quickly. And I would imagine a good engineer can make a huge difference on a team using these tools. On the right map, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's even a bit of an RTS kind of model, I've, I've gotten the impression, like in terms of like gathering resources and how you spend them and map control. Like playing an engineer almost feels a bit like playing a real-time strategy game. Hmm, that's an interesting way to frame it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do have to know where the metal is, because all your buildings take a ton of metal to get upgraded. Uh, now, the uh, in class-based shooters, a lot of times, it, and actually in, in any party-based game, it kind of sucks to be the healer. Nobody wants to be the cleric in D&D. Uh, how do they deal with doctors in Team Fortress 2? Are they called doctors? Is that right? Medics. Medics, okay. Uh, what, what, 
Tell me about the medic class and how that works in Team Fortress 2. It is still one of the least popular classes there is, that's for sure. Every team always needs more medics. <clears throat> but uh, your primary gun is going to be your healing gun. Uh, and after you have healed people a certain amount, you will either get an uber charge, which will make you and your target invincible for about 8 seconds, or you can do a Kritzkrieg, which will guarantee your target is firing critical hits for about 10 seconds. Is the Kritzkrieg new? Or I say new, but is that something that, that was added since? Because I don't remember that. From... Oh, yeah. It's one of the other weapons that was dropped. Okay. Now, so that's something that I, if I were to sit down right now and play the medic, I couldn't do the Kritzkrieg. That would be something I'd have to unlock or achieve? Yeah. You can either get, uh, every class has achievements, and after you get a certain, after you get each of six achievements, uh, you'll unlock one of the weapons. So if you get 18 of the 30 achievements for each class, you'll get the weapon. Uh, how much do you care about achievements? Don't lie, by the way. I'll know uh, I find them really fun, and in TF2, many of them are actually very useful. Uh, the medic ones are really terrible. They were the first ones they ever did, and they're just so contrary to how you should play medic. <laughs> like what? Can you give me an example? Like, as a medic, kill five enemy medics on your own. <laughs> and that's not what you want your medic to do. Run out after an enemy medic that has a heavy or a soldier by him? No, that's a... <laughs> That's terrible for your team, but but uh, the the newer ones, it's many of them are positive reinforcement. Like uh, for the soldier, you there's one for killing people from above, and for killing people from above while rocket jumping. So, it's trying to get you to learn those skills, things like that. Right, right. Uh, when's the last time you played Team Fortress Two? Earlier today. Mm -hmm. How did it go? It went all right. My team uh, won a round of, oh, what was it, Granary. And then I had to quit. Now, I can imagine that there are a lot of times you play, and it is so incredibly frustrating because you always get put on a bad team. Like, is that, like, your play experience is so dependent on team cohesiveness. It really is. That is one of the biggest failings of the game, is that if the teams are bad, then the game is going to be bad. Now, in, in Team Fortress 2, is there any, uh, when a game is starting, is there any way to see a player's uh, skill level? For, for instance, I play a, a, a game similar to Team Fortress 2 called Monday Night Combat, and it has leveling that doesn't do anything. It just sh It's a number that, that basically reflects how much you've played. So when you see the teams being arranged before a match, and you see people's levels, you get a sense for, well, for skill levels. Uh, is there anything like that in Team Fortress 2? Like, can you tell when a new guy has jumped in who's who's just starting to play versus someone like yourself who has, like, 90 hours with one of the classes? Oh, not at all. So all that's invisible. Like, that's all transparent. You don't know that until you're on a crappy team and you're you're losing egregiously. Oh, yeah. You'll quickly <laughs> figure out who are the good players when you look at the scoreboard. If uh, someone has 30 more points than anyone else on either team, they're very good. <laughs> and you should remember that name. If you're gonna play on the server, can you switch teams in Team Fortress Two? Like, if I wanted mm -hmm. to, okay, so that that's all fairly open. If I if I have three people here on my LAN and we want to jump onto a server and all be on the same team, Team Fortress Two lets us do that. Uh, most servers have some team balance enforced. So if the teams are even, like if it's a twelve or a ten v ten, you can't change teams and make it unbalanced. Right. But you can if it's nine v ten, you can go from the team with ten. 
the team with nine. Right. Um, all right. What are Valve's plans coming up? Have they uh, do they have any new content that they're working on, or any new shenanigans with the Manco store? Uh, uh, the first weapon, the first new weapons that they came out with for each class were all Valve designed and uh, made by them. But then they started reaching out to the community, and now what they're doing is taking community weapons uh, designed by modders and putting them in the game. And they just release those fairly frequently. Every few months, they'll release a pack. Have some of those come out already? Uh, two sets have already. What are some of the community weapons that have been invented? Uh, there was an entire new scout and sniper and pyro set. Uh, one new weapon for each slot. And a, and a special hat that gave you a set bonus if you equipped all the weapons, too. Mm-hmm. And then there was recently uh, the Australian Christmas update released that had a number of new weapons and uh, some new sets for the heavy got a new set as did the medic and demo man mm-hmm. you know one of the things that uh and we haven't mentioned this but i, I want to touch on it team fortress 2 for a game that is just a shooter that really doesn't have any sort of story or narrative uh they've really built some characters with amazing personality haven't they uh, I think that's one of the best. That's one of my favorite things about the game is the characters, both in the game and the NPCs they've created outside the game. So, what are the NPCs they've created outside the game? Uh, they've actually come up with this whole ridiculous backstory uh, for why Red is fighting Blue. It turns out this rich old man uh, had two sons, Redmond and Blue Tark, that hated each other and wanted the other stuff. And they both have life-extending machines, so they've just been fighting each other since the 1800s. Where, where does this story exist? Uh, it's found through the, the updates on the blog. Whenever they release an update, they'll release a lot of information with it. And there's also Sexton Hale, who, is, who runs the Manco company, who is the manliest man who's ever manned. Does any of, so none of this appears in game? Like you wouldn't know that any of this if you didn't follow the blog. Oh no, it's not relevant to the game at all. It's just fun <laughs> stuff that they put out for fans. Uh, do you do you offhand know who at Valve does the writing behind the Team Fortress games? I don't know if Valve, uh, like like, is there a writer's name that's put forth as the guy who does the Team Fortress Two stuff? I uh, I don't know for sure. I know Robin Walker is uh, the lead for TF Two, and I've. Uh, know of some of the other guys, but I can't remember their names right now. I don't know who the writer is. Uh, yeah, like Valve, I, I, Valve has so many like clever people doing that kind of stuff there, and it's nice to see that. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's whoever wrote Portal, because it's very similar humor. Right, right. That's, uh, that's like Eric Wolpaw, I'm imagining. It's probably a... Uh... Alright, good. So, uh, Team Fortress 2, will you be on later tonight? Probably. Alright. Here's Here's the... Here's a question for you, Joe. Have you gotten Cat to try Team Fortress 2? I have. How did that go? Uh, it's going okay. Uh, we've only really played against bots. We tried a real server once, and she didn't really like that, but it was a pretty bad server. I didn't like it either. So. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold that. Hold on. Hold on. Bots? There are bots in Team Fortress 2? Mm-hmm. <gasps> when did this happen? Uh, they released bot support a while ago. 
Because uh, that's I have a weekly land gathering here, and one of the reasons we don't play Team Fortress Two is the most we could ever get is a three v three game, and I don't feel that Team Fortress Two really. I don't think it really works that way if you only have three people on your no. team. But I could host a game with bots, flesh rounding out the, the the numbers on each team. Yeah, they're not great, and they can't play spy, and they're not very good against fighting spies. But other than that, they're pretty decent. Holy cats! I had no idea. Yeah, wow. Okay. Well, I'm I'm excited now to do this tomorrow night or tonight. Actually, I I might be playing tonight as well. Uh, now, is it, is it fairly easy to do this, to host a server with bots? Do I need to use, like, any command lines or anything? Yeah, you'll have to go into the uh, the developer command, the dev console, and, and, and type the commands. It's just, like, add bots. Uh, and, I don't know, the wiki is actually very good. It has all the commands very well explained and how to type them in to do it. But the bots I can send know. You a link if you're interested. Actually, absolutely, please do. Yeah, I, I would love to. I would love to see that, Joe. Now, do the bots know how to like like play the game? Do they know the game objectives, for instance? Like they'll. Uh, they only work on King of the Hill, and they can sometimes they'll work on other maps. Like I've gotten them to work on Capture Point and Payload before, but they weren't very, as good as they were. They're very. They're much better at King of the Hill. That's great to know. I mean, as long as like it, it rounds out the numbers and gives us more targets, uh, uh, that's good. To, oh, great, awesome. Well, well, now I'm excited about playing Team Fortress too. Good. The medic bot is actually really good. You can, if you call for a medic when the medic's Uber charge is full, it'll Uber you. Oh, that's great. So, so the bots can use the they use the tools that they're given in the context of the game. Good. Yep. Okay. By the way, so you mentioned the spy. I forgot about that. The spy is uh, that's a fairly unique kind of gameplay. Uh, do you like playing spies? Uh, oh yes, very much. It's a very very fun class. Now explain what they do and how they work. Uh, the spy can disguise as a member of the enemy team, and he can also, under certain conditions, turn invisible. And how do the people on the enemy team find out that you're a spy? Uh, if they try to set you on fire, uh, if the pyro tries to set you on fire, you you will burn, whereas a friendly will not. Because there's no friendly fire in Team Fortress 2, right? No, there's not. So do pyros, is one of, a, is, is one of the jobs of a pyro to, to randomly run around trying to set friendly teammates on fire? It's one of the primary jobs. <laughs> pyro, I think, actually. That's awesome. He's kind of like cleansing everyone with fire to see who passes through unscathed. Exactly. <laughs> and the the main the other main way you find out if someone is a spy is when they stab you. You're like, oh, that guy was a spy. Oh, so anybody can just use like their melee weapon to see if. Uh, how do you know? Is there a? No, I mean when you've been stabbed by the spy. The oh, back. I see. Right, 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 right. Like, oh, that guy was a spy. I yeah. should have started. <laughs> Uh, when you when you look at some when you're playing a game on a server, can you see the name of another player? So, for instance, if there's a spy player, uh, I, I presume you're not a tiger on Steam. If you're yes. playing the spy and you're from the opposite team, and then you disguise yourself as somebody on my team, if I like put my cursor on you, doesn't it say not a tiger? Don't I know it's you? Uh, yeah, you're friendly. Uh, your teammates, when you mouse over them, it'll show their name. Right, but when you mouse over the spy, it will show whoever's name they're disguised as. Oh, so there would be two instances of one of my teammates running around. Uh huh. 
I see. So the spy duplicates another player, not just a class. Exactly. So if you see yourself running at you, it's probably a spy. <laughs> That's awesome. Good. Well, Joe, I'm so glad you mentioned it has bots. I'm, I'm eager to give that a shot now with our, our, uh, our weekly group here. All right, well, Joe, I am now going to ask you a completely random question that has nothing whatsoever to do with anything that we've talked about. Are you ready for this? Yes. Okay. And actually, Joe, I have, to, I have to tell you, this isn't really a question so much as a command. So I'm going to tell you to do something, and if you do it, <laughs> you got, your name goes in for a drawing for a free game. There will also be a thread in the gaming forum with this as the header, and anybody who does this will go into the, the drawing. There's no secret objective here. As long as you follow the command, you will go into the drawing. So here you go, Joe. Right now, wipe one game from the face of the earth. And actually, i got to say, I don't mean actually wipe it from the face of the earth. Like, what would you pick if you had to wipe a game from the face of the earth? I realize you don't have the capacity to do that. God of War. Why? Oh, my God. Why would you do such a thing? Uh, I thoroughly disenjoyed the first one. <laughs> I'm going to steal that word, by the way. Disenjoyed is indeed awesome. Uh, you did not like God of War. No, I've, uh, I found the gameplay pretty lackluster, and I hated, hated the tone of it. Oh. But it's so R-rated and angsty and angry and edgy. And, and it's so terrible at it. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> I, I guess, Joe, I don't know, like, if... I, I think you've probably spared yourself. It, it, that tone gets so exaggerated, and uh, they push it so much harder in the successive games. Uh, I kind of dug that in God of War. I could see why it might be off-putting. But, oh, my God, they went, they pushed that so hard as, as the games went on. So you did not have the pleasure of disenjoying God of War 2 or God of War 3, I presume. No, no. <laughs> A wide berth. Now, have you? Do you like like uh, those kind of brawler beat 'em up things like God of War? Oh, I, I loved uh, Devil May Cry three, for example. Okay, here's one I want to throw at you. This is the one that's near and dear to my heart that I love so much. Maybe even uh, a little unreasonably. Uh, did you play Bayonetta? No, I own it, and it's in my to play for 2011. Let's okay, I want you to promise me you will post what you think about that when you start playing it because I. Uh, God, I, I love that game so much, and it's—I it, just think it—it it, it, as far as the the gameplay that they sort of worked on over the course of the Devils May Cry, uh, it just comes through so well. And the tone, unlike God of War, like I love the sort of the tone and the character and just the approach they take. So you're, you're in for a treat, I predict, with, with Bayonetta. So. All right, I will let you know. All right. Now, I, so by the way, so you're you're not only wiping a game from the face of the earth, you're wiping an iconic character from the face of the earth. You realize without God of War, there would be none of all the, this Kratos cosplay. Well, all that's going to be gone. Eh. <laughs> no loss. <laughs> all right. Well, Joe, I appreciated you talking to me today. Is is Cat around? By the way, no, she's still at work. Until all right. I was going to have her come say hello. Uh, well, uh, I appreciate you talking to us. Thank you for. Uh, selling me on uh, Team Fortress 2. Uh, you should play it. It's a very, very good time. Well, the thing, I, you know, it's kind of one of the things I like with a game like Team Fortress 2. Uh, you play it, and then you put it down, and you come back two years or whatever later and see the improvements that have been made and the cool stuff that they've added. 
Uh, so I, I look forward to revisiting at some point. And you might actually see me online tonight. I've got folks coming over for our land group, and if I can get it set up in time, uh, you, you might see me on Steam playing Team Fortress 2. Sounds good. So, all right, Joe, take care, and we will be uh, seeing you around on the forum. Okay, sounds nice. <laughs> Thing to me.